0: Most of what we think about marriage really revolves around how to be happy, how to have a successful marriage. So maybe you've noticed that the other two episodes in this mini-series on marriage covered just those two areas. And while it's natural to want our marriages to work and to be successful and especially fun for both spouses, God's purpose for marriage includes one more thing. But before we talk about that, I want to remind you about the guide I created called How to Have That Hard Talk with Your Man. You know, over the years of ministry to Christian women, I've heard countless stories from them of the recurring hurts and frustrations that keep eating away at the foundation of a marriage. And the strong emotions that accompany those hurts and that frustration can really make it hard to see the problem objectively, and to deal with it in a constructive way. And many wives spend a lot of years walking on eggshells around a problem area in their marriage without any idea of how to share their deepest feelings with their spouse without making things worse. So, I wrote this guide to offer Christian women the clarity and the confidence they need to share their heart and speak their mind in love. Now, if you or a friend are struggling, please, please, please let me urge you to check out this guide. You can find out more about it at kellyjgrace.com forward slash talk. And that's where it's available now for you to purchase. And I I just wanted, before we went on, to remind you once again, that guide is available. And I did create it really with real women and the problems that we all have encountered in marriage in mind. So I want to encourage you to check that out. Okay, on to our last episode in this mini-series on marriage. Well, my question to you is, is your marriage meaningful? And I mean in the larger scope of things, beyond just the two of you being happy and even managing to succeed at creating a lifelong partnership. The question is, is it meaningful in light of God's plan and purposes? You know, I I went back and was reading again in Genesis 1, and it says there in verses 26 to 28, And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, this command, this instruction, was given to both Adam and Eve. And the idea of authority and of influence, of control, really of dominance and leadership, stewardship is all wrapped up in this set of instructions from God. And there was this larger meaning to their marriage partnership than just the two of them. God's blessing and command was that they be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and that they steward God's creation by exercising leadership or dominion over it. And, you know, their marriage was key to the fulfillment of that blessing and command. Now, I want you to think about your own marriage. How do you see this playing out in your life? And it might first help you if we see this principle in the lives of some of the people that we meet in the pages of Scripture. So here's a little exercise I do sometimes. I like to close my eyes and then think through the chapters of the Bible, kind of like I'm watching a long, long movie that has hundreds of characters and spans many generations. You know, the old-fashioned true film epic, those Cecil B. DeMille kind of things, But the story is really one long single story, and it has lots and lots of characters and covers many generations, but it's one story. So let's practice this a little bit. If you and I go back, let's say we go back to Noah. Okay, now who knows what Noah and his wife were up to when God spoke to Noah and told him to start building an ark? But what we do know is that Noah and his wife became an integral part of what God was doing at that time on the earth. And it shaped their lives and engaged their energies for a long time. At one point, I think it says it took him 120 years to build that ark. I mean, talk about, you know, the DIY project that wouldn't end. Here's your husband in the front yard building an ark For 120 years, and no one's ever seen rain. So explaining it to the neighbors might have been a challenge. But those two were in it together, and actually so were their sons and their son's wives by the time it came time to go into the ark. It says that all of them went in together. Now let's fast forward a little, and we come to Abram and Sarai. And they come on and take center stage in God's plan. Now, that couple had been a part in God's larger story, right? It was about more than them, though. It was about more than just their happy marriage or them finally having a child of their own or their success in life. Because when we see Abram and Sarah, they're roaming through the promised land for many, many years. And I love how Warren Wiersbe used to describe Abraham. He's the man who lived on promises. And so here are Abram and Sarai wandering through the promised land, living on the promises of God. And their names then get changed as they step into the crucial phase of their part in God's larger plan. And at that point, the New Testament tells us that Sarah received strength to conceive long after it was uh, possible for her to do so. It had become impossible, and yet God is the God of the impossible. And then it also says that Abraham kept hoping even when there was no reason to hope. And he became the father of many nations, just as God had promised. So what God does through these two people is larger than just them. It's larger than just giving them this promised child. It has much greater import for all of mankind than just that. And now let's say it's our turn. You and I have come on stage as the the plan, the plot of God's great plan and purpose has come to our part in it, in the story. So how do you and your spouse fit in to what God is doing? Because as I said earlier, your marriage is bigger than just the two of you. It does have eternal importance. So let's just, let's say it this way. What if one person just one, decides to give faith in Christ some real consideration because of your influence. Maybe they spent some time in your home. Maybe it's a friend of one of your children. And when they're with you, they sense God's love when they're in your home and with your family. Maybe it's a friend from the office who comes over and spends some time with you or one of your neighbors. And this person They, what happens is they're seeing your light shine, both as individuals, but especially as you interact as a married couple or as parents. And they choose to believe because of what they saw in your life and marriage. You know, that alone, that one soul being made curious about a relationship with God, being made hungry for it because of your example, that would be of eternal consequence. Now, to highlight this, I want to tell you a little story I heard a long time ago, and this is about Charles Spurgeon, the famous minister who became a Christian on a very cold, snowy day when the minister didn't show up at church. And an old man who the account says was possibly a tailor or a shoemaker in that village. He finally got up out of his seat and he approached the pulpit to face the 15 people who had braved the storm and were in the congregation that morning. And this elderly gentleman had one single verse as his text for his message. And that verse is Isaiah forty five twenty two. It says, Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. Now, Without preparation or study, he gave a brief 10 minute message, which was predominantly a restating of that verse over and over again in several different ways. And then he focused his attention on a very young Charles Spurgeon, who was a new face in that congregation. He was not part of that church, but he was there that morning. And this elderly gentleman addressed him directly and said, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. Now, that one man's brief moment in the pulpit that Sunday opened the door to hundreds and thousands of his countrymen hearing the gospel message through Charles Spurgeon's ministry. Now, you might say, that's a great story, Kelly, but how does that apply, though, to my marriage? Well, You know, as marriage partners, you and I are integral to what God is doing, not only through each of us as individuals, but as a couple. And I want you to just recognize that the beauty and the influence of one witness is more than doubled when it's the witness of a couple. So it's not just two people, it's the inner working of a marriage that actually magnifies and um, multiplies the effect of what God is doing. I want you to recognize that many, many people are lonely and broken. You know, they they have a history of a failed family and failed relationships. I think it's a little bit strange, but it is very true. That one of the most attractive elements of our lives as believers to other people is our loving relationships. The truth is people are very curious about how we handle marriage, how we handle raising kids, because many, far too many people have never been exposed to a godly marriage or a loving home. So your marriage can be a powerful calling card for the gospel message. It can also be this radiant beam of hope for other believers who are seeking to realign their own struggling relationships. So I want to remind you, as as the scripture says, let your light shine. Let it shine in your marriage, in your home life. Let those people who come in And our witness to it, let them see the light. Now, the other way that we make marriage meaningful for eternity is by supporting our spouse in fulfilling their specific calling. So there's what you do and what they do, and then what the two of you do together. So I want you, though, to stop and think a little bit about your spouse. Maybe try to see them with fresh eyes. Try to See, what what are their gifts? What are their special talents and strengths? What things have I seen God use in them in the past? Is it because they're friendly and outgoing and people are drawn to them? Is it because they are an exceptional listener? Because they seem to have that gift of compassion or mercy? Maybe they have the gift of giving. Maybe they have the gift of faith. And they can help others to actually tap into the promises of God and to believe for the impossible in their lives. So try to look at your spouse and see their gifts and their strengths and the things that actually light them up as a servant of God and a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, I had the experience of— um, Well, my husband came home from a ministry trip, and I knew without a doubt that something radical had happened to him. Uh, He had gone to Ghana, West Africa, with a group of guys teaching inductive Bible study, and he'd really gone to correct papers. Now, that is a mundane job to sit there and correct The papers that the people who come to the conference spend, you know, time doing these exercises to learn how to to, um, look at the scripture and to learn to do it in an inductive manner, to be able to study the Bible in an inductive manner. And somebody has to read all of this and, you know, go through these exercises. So uh, that was my husband's job. But while he was there, God gave him a heart to teach a very few men, just a handful, five of them, how to study the Bible so they could teach it to the many, many thousands of people being saved in a part of Ghana where there were no Christian churches. Now, Ghana had been controlled for years by Great Britain, and so there was a large uh, Presbyterian influence there, there there were churches in the larger cities. But we're talking about remote villages, and there were no churches, there were no believers, until someone made the Jesus film in their local language, the Bully language, and those people started hearing the message of God's love, and they came to Christ. And it actually was a situation like the book of Acts, where You know, Paul would go and preach to people and that's the first Christian church there. And he'd raise up elders. So my husband's heart was, you know, I don't know a lot, but what I know I can give to them. And so he went and he began over 20 years ago with just five farmers, taking them through a simple study program. They were all brand new Christians. And now that effort has spread over 14 West African nations as thousands of men and women have learned how to study and teach God's word. Now, I've known for a long time, my husband has a gift of faith it's it is the ability to to see what god's going to do and not be daunted by the quote impossibility of something he if he senses god leading him he has absolute faith god's going to make a way for it so all of these years later though here is my husband now supporting me as i work on this podcast creating online courses and digital products to help Christian women who want to grow in their own walk or strengthen their marriage or guide their children into a friendship with God. Why? Because he saw in me this gifting, this ability, and he He wants to see what God will do with it. So once again, he stepped up to the plate with faith and said, go for it. I, you know, I'm with you in this. So I want you to try to look at your spouse in the broader context of the kingdom of God and then just support them. What do I mean by that? I mean, encourage them, pray for them, actually cheer them on that this thing that they're feeling led to may very well be God calling them into it, that they shouldn't give up when there's a hurdle or two, that they you know, can learn it. They can figure it out. They can find a way to do it, and that where God has begun to guide, He's going to provide. So I want you just to to seek to support them as they are seeking to fulfill their calling. So hopefully, they will do the same with you. All to the glory of God as you both find ways to use your gifts to accomplish your part in God's long story of love for all mankind. You know, if you don't know how God might use you too, you might start praying about that. I promise you that God has something tailor-made for you and you'll find joy, and I mean the two of you, like no other joy, by discovering and investing yourself in what God is calling you to do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the way that you've used married couples really throughout the history of the world since Adam and Eve to tell the story of your purposes, of your power and your love. And in their life difficulties, whether it's barrenness or strife in their family or challenges to their faith, you use it all to further your will on this earth. All the way from Adam and Eve, as we said, on through the patriarchs and the kings and down to Mary and Joseph and even Aquila and Priscilla, you assigned each couple a part to play in bringing your will and your purposes to pass in this world. So Lord, help us to see our marriages and our lives from an eternal perspective, to glance beyond our own happiness and gaze out into eternity. Father, I pray that you would warm our hearts with zeal to be about your business until Jesus returns. Challenge us, Lord, to invest in the eternity of others, those that you bring into our sphere of life. And we thank you for the privilege of being bearers of the good news. Lord, that you'd make us like those priests of old who bore on their shoulders the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. Remind us to rejoice as we carry your mercy And an invitation to relationship with you to everyone that we meet. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you again for joining me here today. Uh, I know I missed a week or two. I think some of you may know in my family, um, we've had some serious illness. And so we're dealing with that. But I would love to hear from you on Instagram, where I'm at Kelly J. Grace. And I just want to let you know, in our next series, we're going to do another of these where it's just three, all focused on one topic. And our topic is self-control. So we, starting next week, will examine how you and I can tame the tongue, transform our thoughts, and target our time. So I will see you then. God bless you.